we have a system that benefits government contractors for the war on drugs. It benefits politicians who are corrupt. It benefits abusive police officers and government officials. It benefits the uh, prison labor industry, and it benefits the prison contractors and corrections unions. In other words, it benefits all of the powerful people at the expense of literally every other American in the country. Uh, again, the most, especially the most marginalized among us. Here is how we deal with it. Number one, we need to end immunity for government officials, period. Qualified immunity for police officers and government workers and absolute immunity for politicians and, uh, and judges and prosecutors. That just needs to end, period. If bad actors can't be held accountable, they can do whatever they want. If you or I do the types of things to someone that, that judges and prosecutors and politicians do on a daily basis, uh, or that many bad actors in uh, government agencies and police departments often do, we would be held accountable, and rightfully so. So you end immunity. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up, everybody? Thanks for stopping by the show. I'm the host, Sean Dustin. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us. Today is going to be the second part of me finding my political identity, if that's what you want to call it. Really, it's just, you know, I wanted to know what third party options there were out there. And if I was going to choose one, um, it would be between the progressives and the libertarians. Um, I, you know, the, the right left duopoly that's out there. Um, you know, when they don't allow you to see that there are other options, that's a problem. You know, they don't allow us to hear different opinions other than the right and the left. They won't cover them. You have to go find it yourself. And, I would be questioning that. Why is that? Why did Tulsi Gabbard get blacked out during the uh, during the debates? She was still in the running, and they they made you think that she wasn't by not covering her. So I mean, it's just the time is is I don't know, man. I just think that the time for right left, um, you know, that whole division and and uh theater that goes on there. I mean, it's just, I'm tired of it. And I think a lot of other people are very tired of it too. The crazy thing is, is that I had uh, one of my neighbors I was talking to last week and, you know, he, I asked him, I'm like, he had Biden, uh, Harris in his, um, in his, in his front yard. And I asked him, I'm like, well, why do you think Biden is such a great, ah, Trump is just, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, well, you didn't answer my question. Why is Biden so great? I mean, you do realize that he not 
just signed off on, but he authored the 94 crime bill, which Clinton uh, enacted. He was the author of it. And I, you know what? Honestly, I don't think that he actually authored it. He put his name on it, but I guarantee you the company Alec, who writes legislation, is the one that actually did it. Probably the one that that wrote it and just gave it to him. And then that's another way that they, you know, politicians play play with these guys. You know, if you write my stuff for me and make it so I don't have to do do anything, and uh, I'll go ahead and get you what you need. And and you're going to give me some money. So, I mean, the way that we do everything is just kind of crazy and outdated. Needs to change. And I believe that the third party uh, option at some point is going to come into play. Because everything that Spike was saying, I'm like, that sounds reasonable. Like, why, anybody that would hear it, I would think would think that it sounds reasonable, considering where we're at. So, I don't know. You decide for yourself. Uh, it was a good interview. I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, I, I think I know exactly where I want to go now. So, the only other thing I have is, uh, if you're getting any uh, value out of this, please subscribe, rate, and review from your favorite podcast platform. If you can afford it, drop some, uh, drop some dollars over in, uh, uh, PayPal or Venmo to support what I'm doing. Um, you know, this isn't free. It costs money and it's been costing money. I do enjoy it and it gives me a lot of satisfaction, but you know, value for value. If you get value out of this, then why don't you return some, um, if you can afford it. And if you can't, there are other options. Just saying. Anyways, let's get to the show. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I am talking with Jeremy Spike Cohen. He is the VP running mate of uh, Joe Jorgensen for the Libertarian Party. And the reason why I'm having Spike on today is, well, no, you guys that are following me and uh, part of my audience, I'm looking for my own identity in politics and, you know, where I'm going to vote this year. It will be the first time that I have voted ever in my life um, for the, you know, since 2010 up to 2016. I actually didn't know that I could vote because I'm formerly incarcerated. I'm a felon. Uh, I didn't think that I could vote. And I just went on thinking that for a long time till 2016. And then I didn't, I chose not to then because I didn't like the choices. So now I'm a little bit more informed and Spike, I would love to hear about the Libertarian Party and what they offer. Absolutely, man. And uh, I appreciate you for having me on. Uh, In a nutshell, the Libertarian Party believes that we do best as people when we are the most free. Uh, we live in a system right now where we are seeing the uh, the fruit of policies that are largely built upon the belief that government should live your life best for you, that government should tell you how to live your life, that government should take money from you and give it back, give you back some of it if it decides that you deserve it, uh, that government should put barriers and burdens in place to make it harder for you to be able to thrive. That's what's led to all the problems we're facing right now. That is why the cost of living is spiraling out of control and incomes and wages are rising nearly fast enough to be able to meet it. That's why we are facing a uh, pandemic worse than any other country, because the government actually didn't allow medical professionals to test COVID patients for the first nearly two months that the virus was here. That's why we are dealing with uh, increasing examples of police brutality uh, and other harm 
of, uh, of all of us, but especially the most marginalized among us by uh, abusive police officers and government officials who then aren't held accountable for the, uh, the, the consequences of their actions. That's why we're facing harmful and abusive and inequitable outcomes from this government is because government is trying to tell us all how to live. Um, and we believe as libertarians that uh, we're going to dismantle those policies. We're going to take all that power and that freedom and that money that has been stolen from you, from the American people, and put it back in your hands where it always belongs so that you can thrive. I love everything that you just said. Um, but the things that I've been following and the things that I've been listening to um, – do you believe that there is an agenda that's going on, like a globalist agenda, um, you know, where they want to bring in the one world government? Uh, and, you know, part of what's happening is the restructuring of that system. And it really feels like when you're from my position and, and watching and everything that, that's going on, it really feels like there's this there's a struggle at the top. You know, from the, from the Democrats and, and, and the Republicans and, and all of the theater that goes on within that, uh, you know, there's, I just, I heard you say this and I, and, and I'm a firm believer in it that it's just smoke and mirrors. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's one, but we've been made to believe that it's, it's something different than it is. We are often told that there is this huge struggle happening between Republicans or Democrats, that they're fighting tooth and nail for the future of this country. But then every time that it is time to extend the wars, to extend mass surveillance, to extend uh, the detaining of Americans without any trial or any reason for the war on terror, uh, every time that it's time to steal trillions of dollars from us to give to multinational, multi-billion dollar corporations, Anytime it's time to do any of that, Democrats and Republicans come together and pass these things immediately, so quickly, that we don't even have time to talk about it before they do it. Uh, in my mind, the only time that there's political theater, we saw this during the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump. Whether or not you think that Donald Trump should have been impeached, whether or not you think that the charges were good, here's what we know. The Democrat Party and the Republican Party were fighting tooth and nail to get Trump out at the same time that those same Democrats and Republicans passed multiple uh, pieces of legislation during that time that gave more power to the executive branch, which was at that time uh, and still is staffed by Donald Trump, was, was, was controlled by Donald Trump. So it is here. Uh, it is, and it is designed for two reasons. Number one, it's designed to make you feel like you have a choice and that you have to choose one or the other, that you, know, you have to pick which side is good and which side is evil. Uh, and number two, it keeps us nice and divided and at each other's throats. It has, has us arguing with each other uh, at the dinner table. It has us uh, meeting with family members and spending half the time arguing with them about whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden is the right one. It's all theater, because if we weren't at each other's throats, we could all take a step back and say, wait a second, they're all in on it together. Look, they passed all this legislation together. They passed all these uh, things together. And, and, and the proof of this is in the fact that they never once acknowledged the real problem. We saw this during those, those sham of, a, of a debates that they had. Uh, when they would talk about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, what a perfect opportunity it would have been for Kamala Harris or Mike Pence to mention that the reason that uh, the pandemic going so poorly, go, going so badly here uh, is because for the first two months that the virus was here, the CDC didn't allow medical professionals to test COVID patients. 
which allowed it to spread completely out of control with no tracing or no uh, no knowledge of who even has it. Kamala Harris could have dunked on Mike Pence with that because of what happened under the Trump administration. Mike Pence could have talked about it because of their narrative of you know bad big government uh, uh, programs and the fact that the CDC often uh, has said things that conflict with what the White House has been saying. Neither one of them brought it up. And the reason they didn't bring it up is because it's their system. They created it. They would have to acknowledge that the Republican system of creating regulatory agencies that make it harder for everyday Americans to do their jobs, in this case, medical professionals to save lives, uh, that, that it has failed. And they would have to ex- recognize moving forward that those were bad policies. So instead, they engage in theater. Mike Pence blames the Democrats for blocking this bill. Uh, uh, Kamala Harris uh, blames uh, Republicans for you know downplaying the virus. But at no point did they recognize the actual core problem. And we've seen that with criminal justice. We've seen that with immigration. We've seen that with every single issue. All they do is yell at each other. All they do is play good cop to their hand, their, the base that they pander to and play bad cop to the base that the other side panders to. It is theater. It is, uh, uh, it is uh, plans the wrong word. It's, it's what they do. It's how they got into office. That's why they exclude third parties from those debates and from the conversation in general. Because if someone was standing in the middle saying, yeah, no, this is both of your fault. This is how we got here. These are the policies that got us here. And here are the policies that will get us out of it. Uh, it would be a no-brainer who to vote for. Uh, and it would, and it would, it would uh, expose the, the cynical lie that there's any real difference between Republicrat A and Republicrat B. Yeah, the one thing that uh, I, I definitely realized and that was very visible, um, and I know it was sort of visible in 2016 with Bernie Sanders, but it was very visible with uh, Tulsi Gabbard this year. You know, they blacked her out completely because she was saying exactly what you guys are talking about. You know, regime change wars need to stop. We need to stop being the world police because we're not making the world any safer by doing it. So why are we wasting the money? Um, one of the things that I want to know do you guys, uh, if you, if you win, um, what kind of policies would you put in place or roll back that have controls and systems in place, um, for like the corporations and taking the money out of politics and allowing, you know what I mean? Free markets to, to, you know, businesses to fail. If they're going to fail, they're going to fail. You know, go back to the model of real true capitalism, not this crony capitalism. Um, it's really, you know, I see one of the biggest problems being that in the financial markets, in the justice system, and in the healthcare system, these are all industries that are very huge and require third parties to explain them to the average person. Is, can we expect any kind of regulation change in that? Because, I mean, a lot of fraud happens in, 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 in between, you know? Well, the, 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 the regulations are what got us here. The mm-hmm. regulations that come from government are written by those cronies. That's how we end up with things like too big to fail. You and me are apparently not too big to fail. We, people like us can fail all day long, and they are perfectly fine with that. But a multi-trillion dollar industry or a multi-trillion dollar company that has the cronies in place to buy off the right politicians to make sure that they get endless bailouts, they're too big to fail. Now, if they're being propped up causes millions of Americans to fail in the process, 
they're perfectly fine with that. Here is how we deal with that. Here is how we end this crony system of, of, of corporatism. This is how we get got polit- uh, money out of politics as well. We get the government out of every single aspect of our lives that they're in right now because the reason that money is going into government is because government has the ability to control every aspect of our lives. If politicians couldn't control every single part of when you wake up to when you go to sleep and everything in between, and even while you're asleep, if they couldn't control every aspect of your life, there wouldn't be any demand to buy off politicians because they couldn't do anything to to be able to benefit those corporations because they don't control us in the first place. The answer, and, and we've seen what these regulations do, they make it prohibitively expensive for smaller competitors to do business. So they go out of business. And I'm talking everything from, you know, small cap corporations that are trying to innovate all the way down to people that are in poverty that are trying to just start a small business and be able to try to, you know, uh, make a living to provide for themselves and their family. Anything that isn't a big crony corporation is increasingly made prohibitively expensive to be able to ever actually be able to do business. All that leaves are the big crony companies. Then when they violate their own regulations, they get slap on the wrist fine. They get protected against any lawsuits from us, the victims of their of their crime. Uh, and then the cost of whatever cleanup or, or, or damage control or whatever else needs to be done in the wake of it is externalized to the taxpayer. We have to pay it off, even though we're the victims of it. When you get rid of those absurd regulations, when you re-empower Americans to be able to sue anyone, including massive corporations that do harm to them, uh, doing those two things levels the playing field. It allows for small business businesses to compete without having to worry about complying with tens or hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars in compliance costs. It allows us to go after bad actors who try to harm us uh, or who have harmed us. It acts as a deterrent for those actors to never do it in the first place so they'll self-regulate and not do damage to people because they know they'll be sued out of existence. And it ends this model of if I'm already rich and I want to stay rich or get richer, instead of providing value to you, the consumer, I just go to politicians and, and I, I, I bribe the right politicians and, and you know, put money into their, in the, into their campaign coffers to make sure that they get reelected. And in exchange, they hand me, uh, I, I hand them the regulations that I know will hurt my smaller competitors. I show up and say that I want trillions of dollars in bailouts whenever I want them. And I get whatever I want. We end that system by giving government out of our lives and getting government out of every single aspect of what we say and what we do and get rid of all these absurd regulations that are making it so hard for smaller competitors to even be able to compete. That's a great answer. Thank you. I'm going to switch to criminal justice reform and prison reform real quick. Um, That's not a real quick topic, but for the time frame, we can go ahead and, and try to make it quick. Uh, some of the problems that I, I've seen um, are a direct result from the 13th Amendment uh, as far as being able to use um, prison labor, uh, which is just the new the new slave labor. Uh, and that, that was one of the main that elements. Yeah, that was the, one of the main elements of the the or components for the mass incarceration from the 94 crime bill, which coincided with privatization of prisons which was brought to us by oliver north and you know the the uh you know whatever you get you get what i'm saying um you know all that stuff kind of coincided together and you know now we have the the biggest prison population in the world um you know you're you're getting people that are put in the federal system that are are have decades of time 
and, and they're and they don't have I mean they're nonviolent offenders or drug offenders. Uh it doesn't make any sense, you know. And the only thing that makes yep. sense is that it's providing long-term employment <laughs> uh or labor for, you know, the BOP and Unicor. So how do you guys plan to tackle that and re- and re- and rein that back in as well as putting more protections in place for people you know through you know what is it cops and uh and attorneys and judges they all have immunity so they're not incentivized to do a good job well so here's what we have and and, and you hit on a lot of it we have a system that benefits government contractors for the war on drugs it benefits politicians who are corrupt it benefits abusive police officers and government officials it benefits the uh, prison labor industry and it benefits the prison contractors and corrections union in other words it, it benefits all of the powerful people at the expense of literally every other american in the country uh, again the most especially the most marginalized among us here is how we deal with it number one we need to end immunity for government officials period qualified immunity for police officers and government workers and absolute immunity for politicians and uh, and judges and prosecutors. That just needs to end, period. If bad actors can't be held accountable, they can do whatever they want. If you or I do the types of things to someone that, that judges and prosecutors and politicians do on a daily basis, uh, or that many bad actors in uh, government agencies and police departments often do, we would be held accountable, and rightfully so. So you end immunity, period, point blank, full stop. Next thing we do, what is the single biggest contributor to the prison population? The failed war on drugs. The idea that you should be able to control what someone can put in their body. We already saw with prohibition of alcohol what that leads to. Addictions get worse because addicts can't legally get help. Uh, criminal gangs get empowered because they're given a multi-billion dollar industry to corner. Uh, those criminal gangs then become incredibly powerful, start buying off politicians, start putting their preferred uh, crony politicians in place, pay off. Uh, police officers and other government agents, which leads to more corruption in government. Uh, and there is a, as a result of all these things, there's a growing rift uh, between the uh, between the government and the people. Uh, and, and in addition, uh, things become less safe because these uh, gangs are fighting each other over turf warfare and everything else. But as it relates to criminal justice, a lot of people are criminalized for choosing to put something in their own body, harming no one else. So we've seen the same thing now with the war on drugs. It needs to end. And so what Joe Jorgensen will do when she's elected is deschedule all the drugs. Uh, the government should not be deciding what you can or can't put in your body. Uh, not only does that lead to things like addicts being able to get the help that they need, not only does it lead to things like people being able to legally use cannabis for pain management instead of having to use opioids and end up hooked to heroin later, uh, but it also uh, makes it so that the people who have been put in prison uh, for being a part of a consensual trade, either consuming or selling substances that that person wanted uh, is no longer in jail and their records are expunged, their, their, their felony records are expunged, that they can go and live their lives and try to rebuild and reclaim from what was taken from them. Um, the next thing is we need to look at the number of people that are in jail for crimes that did have a victim, like, for example, um, uh, like, for example, uh, like shoplifting and petty offenses like that. Uh, and look at them in a restorative justice model. Instead of trying to put them in jail uh, and give them a felony record, which costs a lot of taxpayer money, which does not solve the root of the problem, and which now ruins their life because they've got a felony record and doesn't make their, their, 
the, the, the victim of their crime whole. Instead, work on restorative justice. Have that victim pay back for what, even if it takes a while, pay back for what they took from the victim. Uh, have them, have that offender uh, uh, go through, you know, some kind of diversion program to be able to learn from, from, the, from the, the, the bad choice that they make so that they can go off and thrive and be able to learn from their mistakes uh, and so that the victim is made whole. So we need to end the wars on victimless crime. We need to free the people from the cages that are in jail for victimless crime. Uh, and then we need to look at crimes that, like the petty crimes that do have victims, uh, that where that victim can be made whole and where we can use a more restorative model that saves taxpayer money, uh, that gets people uh, yeah, to become productive citizens, that protect victims and, and make sure that they're made whole. The only people that don't benefit from this are prison contractors, corrections unions, corrupt officials, corrupt police officers, corrupt uh, politicians and judges and, uh, and prosecutors and, uh, and, you know, government contractors that are, you know, doing all this, you know, militarized equipment and everything else. Uh, we need to have a restorative justice model and we need to end the wars on people choosing to do things voluntarily with their bodies without victimizing anyone else. Okay. And, and that would obviously mean restoring the voting rights, the second amendment rights, uh, the uh, ability to uh, get business uh, license or do business rights, all of that stuff, restoring that to the people who are victimized by this ridiculous war. Right now, every single person, uh, one out of every four people on earth who is in prison is in an American prison. We make up less than 5% of the world's population and over a quarter of its prison population. It is absurd. It is a failed model. Like you said, it is a, it is a, a throwback to uh, it is really the 13th Amendment simply took chattel slavery and, and made it exclusively the property of the, of the public sector, of the government. Um, and, and you have a situation where there are a large number of states that have a minimum quota of the number of people that have to be in prison at any given time. Why? Because of the prison contractors. Because mm-hmm. they have contracts with prison labor contractors and prison development contractors, uh, uh, prison construction contractors, that there will be a certain number of new prisons being grown and a certain number of new people doing free prison labor. Uh, and it's just, it's a built <laughs> around the labor of the people. Right. No. Yeah. That's my dog, Riley. Um, so two, two, two things. Well, one, one, it isn't, it isn't broken. It is, it is functioning exactly the way that it, it, it was designed to exactly as intended. Yes. Um, yes. but, I, I have two two last things for you. One is the conspiracy law and doing away with it because it or using it the way that it was intended instead of the way that they use it now, um, which is I'm dealing with some stuff down in the northern district of Texas and some of the things that are happening out of that uh, that area within the courts and, and how they're weaving people into conspiracies and and you can't fight it. That is one of the main reasons that, uh, you know, the mass incarceration is happening is because you can, they're using that, uh, in a way that it wasn't intended. It was intended for Rico and, and people that were, uh, you know, like El Chapo and, and, and organized criminals, not, not organized drug users. You know what I mean? That's really what it is. Um, and then also the other side of that, uh, marijuana, uh, and, 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 how are we going to deal with that? Because the people that, that were victimized the hardest from it can't even get into the industry now. 
as a legal yeah, so, as a legal industry. So I mean that that to me that's crazy. So there's two things right there, and we're at 22 minutes. So pick whichever one you think is yeah. most important. I can talk about both of them at the same time. Okay. These are both side effects of the war on drugs. Uh, like you said, we have a situation now where there are people where in some states marijuana dispensaries were labeled essential businesses that have to, had to remain open during mm-hmm. the pandemic, while at the same time there were people that were in jail for selling marijuana in that same state. Uh, all that needs to end, and that ends by getting government out of it, getting the federal government out of it, and getting, and getting it as lightly regulated at the state level as possible. So ending the war on drugs. With the, with the whole thing with, uh, with conspiracy, uh, again, that's the war on drugs. Conspiracy is supposed to be, did you help conspire in an act to murder someone or to uh, you know, set someone up to be raped or to be robbed or something like that? That makes sense. But conspiracy to do drugs, conspiracy to, you know, someone ask me if I know someone uh, who can get them some weed or something. And so I say, oh, yeah, I heard this person get it. So now I'm in, I, I can, can get it to you. And now I'm in trouble for conspiracy. By getting rid of those laws in the first place, it also ends the conspiracy aspect of it as well. And part of the uh, ending the war on drugs also means expunging the records of the people who were victimized by it, uh, because they never should have gone to jail. They never should have been put on probation or parole. It was a victimless crime. It should have never been a crime to begin with. Um, so ending the war on drugs deals with both of those issues. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can 100% agree. And there was one thing that I'm, uh, that I, I heard you say at one point and when I was listening to one of your interviews and it was, uh, oh man, it was right. It was right on my tongue. It was something about, uh, you have to, uh, oh, oh, the reason, the reason why government was intended in, in my, in my, in my belief that, so there are, there are some parts of the population that can, that can enlist in the, the service and they can serve their country in that way. And then there's the other folks that are, you know, that maybe can't do that or can serve in another way. And so government was the way to go and you go, you serve, and then you come back to your regular job. None of these politicians these days ever had a job that they came from and can go back to. Well, and again, that's when you create, we, we have a government that was supposed to be a, a government of servant leaders who would come from, uh, you know, the real world, something like Joe Jorgensen and myself. We're both uh, self-made entrepreneurs. She's also a, a senior lecturer at a respected university. Uh, the idea was that people would come from actual demonstrating value and leadership in the real world. And then they would spend a, a brief period of time in government to kind of preside over the government, make sure that it was uh, functioning as intended, which was simply to protect the lives, rights, and property of the people within it. And then they'd go back to doing whatever they were doing, or they'd go retire or whatever. But, but now we have, because government has so much power concentrated into it, we have the new royalty. We have people that in their 20s and 30s, they get into politics, having done little to nothing outside of politics. And they stay there forever. They started as interns, then they became paid staff, then they became politicians, then they worked their way up the food chain to whatever level they can get to, and then they remain there until they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. And then they either die in office uh, or when they're ready to retire with their uh, cushy uh, politician pension, uh, not to mention whatever uh, you know grab bag goodies they got along the way from the cronies that they, that they helped sponsor or that helped sponsor them. 
uh, now they can live high on the hog for the rest of their lives. That's not what was intended. And the rest of us who are trying to actually make an honest living are the ones having to pay all of that. You mm -hmm. end that by getting government out of everything, getting rid of government having so much power centralized into what doing in the first place. When we talk about taking the power away from it and giving it back to the American people where it always belongs, we are talking, that's not some, you know, some platitude about taking back the power. It's a real thing. It's ending these bad policies. It's ending the endless wars overseas. It's ending the war on drugs. It's ending the war on victimless crimes. It's ending the school to prison pipeline. It's ending the militarization of the police. It's ending the IRS. It's ending the taxation model and forcing government to come up with voluntary means of funding their government as opposed to just robbing us all at gunpoint. It means ending this system of oppression and tyranny and putting the power back in your hands and giving you your damn money back so that you can live your lives and getting rid of all these absurd uh, barriers and hurdles and burdens like occupational licensing laws, minimum educational requirements for things like doing hair and aesthetic work or interior decorating or food service, uh, getting rid of absurd zoning laws that don't allow you to do business in your own home. All of this stuff that has absolutely no bearing and no way of protecting you or anyone else. It simply protects the cronies who, who wrote those regulations, getting rid of all of it and putting the power back in your hands. That's what the Libertarian Party believes. It is the only viable model for making us not just freer, but safer and happier and healthier and more prosperous. I love it. I like what you're saying, man. I, I definitely do. And I agree with what your, your point that you just made because I'm in the process of starting a nonprofit for, uh, reentry, uh, from incarceration. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting like pieces of mail that are like the fee here, a fee here, a fee there. I'm like, Jesus, how many fees are associated with this before I can actually get what I need? <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I love. I exactly. love what you're saying, That's Spike. The biggest thing with 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 uh, non non. Well, thank you, man. That's a big thing with nonprofits. So, in most parts of the country, you may not know this. It's illegal to feed the homeless unless you spend thousands or tens of thousands of dollars to comply with the various laws and fees and so forth before you can give a sandwich to a homeless person. That's ridiculous. Why is the government even telling you whether or not you can feed a homeless person? These are the types of absurd things. If you want to help people with reentry, which God bless you for doing that, why the hell are they fining you for that? Why are they telling you what to pay a dancing for anything? Why wouldn't they say, hey, great job. We need that. Go do it. Great job. Thank you for, thank you for your help and your service. We need to look at people who want to help people as, as, as the heroes of our community, not let the government uh, tax and fine and, and, and mandate and, and regulate you into, into not being able to do it. Uh, and, and into having to rely on government for that. So anyway, there, we could talk about this with every oh, single yeah. subject. Yeah. The bottom line is that government makes things harder. Uh, th that was not what they were intended to do. The purpose of government is to protect lives, rights, properties. That's it. That's it. Anytime they get into anything else, they just screw it up. And we need to also hold bad government officials possible, uh, or, or uh, hold uh, bad government officials accountable when they do wrong things to us just like the rest of us to be held accountable. And, uh, and we need to give the power back to the people. And Sean, I really appreciate your time. And uh, folks, if you like what you heard, I invite you to go to joe20.com and find out more about us in our, in our campaign. Thank you, Spike. I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and educate me and inform me about what your party has to offer uh, someone like myself who's in the midst of a uh, political uh, identity crisis. <laughs> Thank you for having me on and have a great day, man. All right. Thank you, brother.
You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved. To connect to the show, book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.